Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as The Dad Author on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I've travelled to North London to speak with TV presenter Olivia Wayne. Olivia speaks to me about the death of her dad and how it shaped her outlook on life. You can find Olivia on Instagram and Twitter. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so today I have travelled to North London and I have a very special guest with me, the very lovely presenter, Olivia Wayne. How are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for coming to my house. Thank you for inviting (laughs) me. So, for our listeners, as we always do, I thought if you could maybe give us an introduction as to who you are, where you come from, all of that. Um, So, as you said, my name's Olivia Wayne. I am a presenter, formerly Sky Sports. was there for like eight years and then had my first child and now I host a kind of fashion beauty lifestyle show very into health and well-being and fashion and all those nice things and motherhood and yeah and I'm married to a lovely producer DJ and that's it really that's me (laughs) so yeah which leads us on nicely really Um, if you can share with us uh, about your dad and your experience with grief please um so yes my father passed away last summer so it's not even been a year yet um he was diagnosed with cancer um only the year before that so it was it was a kind of intense year basically maybe um 14 months um and it basically started um with like lots of tummy pains and things and ultimately they think it started in the appendix and i can't tell you the technical name for it because i don't remember it but ultimately it just spread everywhere um he had major major surgery which was you know he potentially wouldn't even make that but he did and they thought they got it all and then the chemo was just in case they missed anything and unfortunately it just spread again and then to his lungs and all that stuff um and he went to america to try and get stem cell treatment like he was he was quite a very very kind of um pioneering entrepreneurial person anyway so he would always try everything but potentials are just too late and not enough time and all that stuff. And when he got home, he just knew it wasn't right. And then it was literally a matter of like two months and it just all went very bad, very quick. 
So from finding out to when he actually passed, it was... 14 months. It was pretty quick, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and they, had, they had said, right, with this type of cancer, if you survive the surgery, you might at best have 10 years. And that seemed awful at the time, you know. But then we were quite hopeful that, but, you know, over 10 years, things can change, research, you know. So it felt like the prognosis was scary when it was a short amount of time but that was still decades and then it turned into oh no and also the thing about my dad is he was not a complainer so it was very hard to understand the severity probably of how he was feeling because he really just internalized a lot of it so it was like come on come out like do stuff you know we'd like always try and like encourage him to like why don't we all go out you know and he was like no I don't want to and it was like he must have just been in the worst pain but he just didn't really let so he kind of locked it in a bit and didn't want to share how he's feeling not into feelings no very different generation I think slash his side of family are not feelingy at all Um, and so we didn't just that even in his literally three days before he died in the hospice they tried to be like how are you feeling emotion and he just wouldn't talk to them about that that was he's happy to talk about where the pain was and discomfort and all that stuff and the medication but he would not talk about the feelings did that change towards the end before he passed but he was always like that then since I've known him always like that but even when he knew probably and he was in the hospice and there was only one outcome still which is a very hard thing like you didn't get anything back in terms of we all said things to him and he would cry but he wouldn't then give anything back do you know what I mean yeah uh, that must have been quite hard, I guess, when you're giving, well, we were giving him some emotions and then nothing seemed to come also, back. Also, we were in a fortunate position that we could say goodbye. You know, you could say the things you wanted to. And, you know, I don't know if it's selfish or what, but, like, you could hope to hear things back, you know? But it was almost like you knew it just by him. Not He didn't have to say Because it's not like this was out of character. This was very in character. And, like, I don't know if you watched that Ricky Gervais... Um, yeah, program. that program's amazing. <laughs> but when she leaves in the video, I found it really annoying because it's like, that's not, like, it's very unusual. That, well, maybe it's not, but for my case, and I guess that's the whole point here, it's personal to me. I was like, oh, how lovely. You've got all of this, like, documented feelings and, you know, when I did not get <laughs> any of that, as it were. Well, that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Everybody's individual when they're going through, you know, cancer or, and whatever it is they're suffering with. And unfortunately, through previous interviews, cancer's come up quite a lot. And the the question I've I've asked quite a lot is, you know, when you found out that he had the cancer, did you find yourself grieving then and then after? Or was it like a delayed response? I I think we definitely... I definitely felt I did lots of my grieving in the last month or so um, because... When he was first diagnosed, because of the way he is, and he's like, yeah, he'd be like, I don't feel good. But it was, it felt very like, okay, what are the next steps? What do we do? I just didn't really think. I thought we'd just conquer it. I really did. Then as time wore, and my husband's like the eternal optimist, and he was like, he'll he'll fight, he'll fight. Because it was really hard to imagine him not being here afterwards. So it was just like, it wasn't an option. Yeah, that's the thing when you've got that strong father figure. He's always been there he's for just you. A t- you know, he's the guy Strength. that you call 
I crashed my car. He's there in 10 minutes. The boiler's broken. He's like, he's just so reliable and dependable and like strong. Mm. And like, he was a big guy, you know, like, and like, I always tell him off, like, you're eating badly, you're going to lose weight, all of this stuff. And, and like, that was actually so, his whole life, my whole life, I'm always like, you've got to lose weight, it's unhealthy. And then the kind of cruel twist of fate with this is that the tumour literally blocked up the tubes, so he physically couldn't get anything in. Like, it wouldn't go anywhere. And it was almost like his one pleasure of food, say, was like physically couldn't even get in his body. Not like he lost his appetite, like, I mean, he did lose his appetite, but it almost was like, but he was huge still because the tumour was growing in his stomach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, he, it was like, felt very cruel. Kind of took away that pleasure that like he the always one, loved. You know, like even like sorbet, like something lovely to, you know, yeah. or ice cream, like what, no, nothing. And I'm sure that, that must have been so hard for him, obviously, not being able to enjoy the things like that at the end, you know, the and also, things. And also, um, like, because he was quite proud of himself that during chemo, he was still quite strong in that sense. So he would like, I'm eating normally, I'm living life normally, like I'm not letting it get me, you know? And then it, it was like out of his control, ultimately. How did that affect those around you? I mean, did you, did you find yourself talking to your family members about your grief? And was it quite an open thing with you guys or, or not really? Yeah, so unfortunately at that time, my brother also kind of went through, it was actually fortunate in the end, but his kind of world came crashing down literally parallel time. Like my dad flew to America for stem cell treatment um, and my brother's world came crashing down. So I was dealing with my brother here my mum was with my dad there and we're literally like, what the hell's going on? You know, anyway, my brother's fine. But it meant he moved in with my parents again in that lot. And, and he was actually there when the illness went very bad. And my dad was like now sleeping in the lounge on hospital bed. You know, the nurse is coming in every day, all that stuff, which was amazing for my mum, for the support. And also for the fact that he was never alone. Like he just worked from home and was there, you know. Um, so that was very good. But my brother went through a very big talking about feet like emotions and feelings i'm like that anyway my mum's pretty stoic and she's a very practical get on with it type you know she was working full pelt still every day going to get more medicine because you have to get the medicines in like you know and very practical but we talk but not to my dad because he does he didn't but it would be just you could tell he just liked you like lying on the bed next to him or just watching the tennis you know the world cup at the time and wimbledon yeah, and all yeah. that and it was that hot 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 summer so we were just around all the time and even if we were in the garden he'd be inside and you know so it was it was just being all together but we did we talk my husband will happily talk to me about that stuff but it was always like if i fancy talking i don't want to just talk about it when I'm, you know, sometimes I just don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah, you have to catch someone at the right time. Yeah, don't or you? when you want to open up. My friends are amazing. They're very, you know, well, you know, always on WhatsApp if you need it type of thing. But like one time, I remember going to one of my best friends' baby showers, leaving to go see my dad, and him have, and literally as I got there, him having this awful vomiting because he was having to drink those, you know. Um, ensure drinks all the nutrients to get anything in but they never went anywhere so they'd sit and then eventually it would have to come up but this is the first time and so it was me and my brother and my mum and my brother like 
lifting my dad, taking him to clean him up. Me and my mum cleaning the carpet because he was in the lounge, cleaning up this... And I was just like... Meanwhile, an hour before, I've been like celebrating a baby coming, you know? And that was just like, oh, awful. You know, but that's the reality of it. I think that is the reality. And that, those are the things that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, obviously, it's not really media. a thing you would want to talk about, I guess. And but you don't see that in movies. No, you the, don't. The Ill, the, the Ill side of being ill. And, and, and I've interviewed a guest before and they've said, look, you know, and if it feels really horrible saying it but once they've died you were kind of happy for them and a sense of the pain was over it was unbearable watching it it was so cruel it is an initial relief obviously then you've got to deal with what that means them not being there but also the pressure on mainly my mum the caring pressure and obviously they had help and my brother was there but like that stress that you know she has to go into the office to do work but she really should get back and there's like so much stress and pressure um, and watching them just in so much pain and there's nothing you can do and you're trying to like you know boost and boy and it's just like shut up what do you know you know so another question is do you think it's changed your outlook at all on life? You know, has it given you a different perspective after the death of your dad? Yes and no. Yes, because, um, well, I think it's like you just don't know. Like you think, but I'm healthy. And I, I mean, look, I don't. I'm not saying he was the healthiest guy ever. Like he definitely was overweight. He definitely didn't exercise. Like all those things. But I also know people that get unwell that do all those things. So I don't think that's you know. But in terms of. Yeah, the time, it just can go so quickly um, and not to waste it. However, I think the reality is in day-to-day life, you get caught up in your normal pointless stresses and anxiety. You know, it's very hard to just be like, no, I know that life's too short and you must not get stressed by the fact that the, you know... Yeah, it's quite hard not broken to, right now and, to you know what I mean? Up, yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's life. But you try and be like, okay, but that's not... Or I think it's the sever- making things serious when they're not serious. Like, is it life or death? No, it's really not. Yeah. So a thing we talked about off mic um, was obviously the um, the custom and tradition of a Jewish funeral. Mm. Which I think is quite an interesting thing, really. For our listeners who, who, who have no aren't familiar. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, and that goes for me, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, it's actually wonderful, I think. But, of course, it's all I know, as in... Um, I have a lot of Jewish friends and family, so I know that routine very well, which is when someone in the Jewish community dies, they um, are often buried, and they try to bury them as soon as possible. And if they die first thing in the morning, and you can get the death certificate, it's really about getting the death certificate from like your local council, wherever you get it from, um, you can bury them that day if there's space. It's The, it, the whole point is that you, you bury them as soon as you can. Right. Um, obviously, if there's awful extenuating circumstances, there's like police involved. But when it's a normal kind of traditional death or whatever, um, and... And you don't leave the body alone. And it's called a mitzvah, which is like a good deed if you sit with the body because it's like until you're buried, I guess your soul's in this transitional place and it's like we just don't leave the body alone. Um, 
So I've seen a lot of dead bodies. Well, not a lot, but I've seen like four dead bodies. So Terrible. you have to sit with the body? Or... No, like friends, uh, family members. You can if you want, but often you're organising things or... Um, but like, it's also just people from your community will do it because it's such a good like. What it's like? There's no greater thing you can do than it's sitting. Not like an honor. Yeah, and you're and like you know, it's a bit like a hospice. Like you don't get anything back for that. You're just helping people. You know, like and it's not about getting back anyway. But it's like it gives such comfort to know that they're not alone because it's all because it's the transitional phase of like where the soul's going and you're not in the ground and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then immediately after you bury them there's up to seven days of a shiver which is like the morning process and you have prayers every night um, and you basically sit on these very low chairs and you cut an item of clothing if you're the gr- grieving or a mourner and people just come and visit you all day and every night and you're never alone and people bring food and um, yeah, it's almost social in some regards, but in a kind of, but it's like you just talk about whatever you want. It's not like there's no rules to it, but it's like you are really supported and yeah, you're never alone. So in some regards, you're almost just like coasting off this oh this is lovely it was surrounded by oh, I haven't seen you in ages and lovely stories and then I guess the reality hits a bit later I was going to say because I mean that happens in, in any grief isn't it you sort of have that wave of support and then it tapers off it can be that it tapers off I know and, and that is hard because I guess people are very good instantly and then life continues and you know but we do lots of things like throughout the year there's like a year after or up to a year after they're buried you do something called a stone setting where you then go and put the burial stone on the grave that's another ceremony and remembering and then in synagogue on special kind of festivals they'll honor the they'll kind of you say prayers for them you know so there's kind of this constant reminder if you know what i mean that's quite nice though if yeah and if you want it it's there you know but it's also it's quite nice to sometimes just take a minute and you know think about I mean who doesn't think about those people anyway but in a kind of you guys remember too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like a together sort of. yeah exactly <laughs> okay moving on to children so obviously yeah. now you have a, a little boy Ozzy mm-hmm. and I would say I would have loved for my dad to have met my children oh, but obviously he didn't did your dad have the chance to yeah yeah he knew Ozzy very well in terms of him knowing a baby well if you know what I mean yeah. but but Ozzy was um a year and a half so he was running around personality doing all cute fun things so it was a pleasure it wasn't just like a crying baby you know whatever um and Ozzy has this I think has been here a few times before because he's very empathetic it's an old soul very old so my um my dad one time was lying this was before he was like on the kind of hospital bed he was just in you know my mum and dad's bed where he was all day every day anyway and um he was just lying there and I just kind of tears in his eyes which again wasn't very him but I mean come on like whatever and Ozzy was playing because we would just sit up there like for a little time and Ozzy was just like went just crawled over to him and like gave him a cut just saw the tears no one said anything but he just like went and gave him a cuddle like he knew he was sad it's quite empathetic very empathetic and also like 
it was like so sweet. I mean, he's now he's very empathetic. Like if I've read five bedtime stories and it's nine o'clock and I'm over it and I'm starting to read with a bit of an edge in my voice, he's like, why are you sad, mummy? I'm like, <laughs> not sad, just be me. But you know, but, funny thing, <laughs> but, no, but he's very. He really gets you know. Or I'm so worried about you. You didn't come back downstairs, like when you like in a minute or whatever so so my dad saw that lovely side and we um i would go with him all the time to be honest i'd go like pop in try and do it every day in some regard even though it was just like half an hour because oh, it was such a long boring day i mean obviously when you're not well you don't really care you're lying in bed and you you're must not well. have really enjoyed that scene. well even if we didn't do much you could just watch him a bit and then and I've got a niece and a nephew as well but they were like ones at school and it wasn't as easy to like just pop you know mm. so yeah so I tried to take him there a lot but then I was a bit like I don't want to drive you mad like is it annoying for you but he never said it was and slash sometimes I'd be like alright oh, let's go you know it's too much yeah I guess you know the point that you need to leave don't you yeah um, and also in terms of like remembering your dad in the future do you think it's just a matter of keeping in relevant conversation and stories? Always. And like, so Ozzy still talks about Grandpa. I mean, I don't know if he really remembers him. I don't know. what. I'm sure not, because he was one and a half. But, um, so my brother drives his car, my dad's car now. So he still call it Grandpa's car. Because he has a fascination with cars, my son. So he associates whatever car. So he that was quite... But maybe now he calls it... I don't know if he's if it's gone, but just having photos and talking. What more can you do, really? No, I know. I, it's I very mean, I, hard. I haven't got there yet. No, it's quite. It's quite hard. It took me a long time to actually bring my dad into the relevant conversation. Really? Of, well, I think because I think also because the, the way that my father went, you know, in terms it's of not the so death, easy to talk about it's not really an easy one to talk about. Yeah. And I will sit down eventually with them. But um, yeah, so now we've kind of got to the point of. Oh, okay, he died, yeah, right. So what did you used to do with him? And, you know, so you kind of yeah. try and remember the, the, the special stories and stuff. Um, but what I think is more, not more interesting, just very interesting about the grief. And it's not so much what you did do and what isn't there anymore. It's like what you won't get, which is the thing that seems more upsetting. It's not like, oh, do you remember when we used to go to Chelsea together? You know, yeah. it's more... Oh, he won't see his future grandchild, or he won't be there for, you know, 13... You know, we have bar mitzvahs for 13-year-old boys. You know, that's like a coming-of-age thing, and he won't yeah. see that. And, you know, it's like the things that we've kind of been robbed of, it feels. And look, I'm lucky. I'm 30... I was 33. It wasn't like I was a child. But I still feel like in this day and age, it felt young to lose a parent, even though, of course... There's no right. But, you know, nowadays people live till 90s. You know, my great aunt's 97 and my dad, you know, got robbed so early, it felt, of his... Especially when you see your friends with their fathers and they're living, you know, so much longer. And and like you said, it's kind of continuing those special memories with your child and, and... you know, bringing him up with him, which we're not going to be able to, unfortunately. Yeah. Another thing that I talk about is um, trying to break the stigma and taboo around grief in the UK and how a lot of people try to shy away from it or they think that if you do talk about it, you might catch it. Um, <laughs> do you think there's anything we could maybe do to, to sort of speak about it more? And I do think, I think it, 
I assume people find it very awkward to talk about if they haven't experienced it. Um, like, I even feel like someone dying, losing someone who died from illness or old age isn't the same as someone who died in a tragic yeah. set of circumstances, you know. And, yeah, I guess... But you're right, people definitely feel, like, awkward about it. But I'm not one of those people that... Like, if people say, how are you? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to sit and talk. For me, I don't need to talk about it for it to uh, to remember it or think about it. Like, for me, I dream about him all the time. And I just like, that's obviously how I process things, you know? Yeah, my dad will pop up when I least expect him to. Really? You know? Yeah, if I'm walking back from the shops or I'm, you know, like this morning sitting on the bus. Oh, you know? really? just sort of, it'll just pop up. Just like, just little memories or... Right, you know, so and I feel like that's when it. But for me, I'm happy to do it on my own. If you know what I mean, I don't need. But then I don't feel I need people's help on that front. Yeah. But some people obviously would like it. But I find it odd that it's a taboo. It's like I hate to break it to you, but everyone will experience grief, <laughs> like however it comes, whenever it comes. It's not a it you know. Gonna, yeah, it's, it's a certainty happen. in life. Which I mean, the awkward thing is speaking to your children about it, isn't it? You know, and, and well, that's so the hard I think thing. That, like schools. <laughs> probably shy away from it because they don't want to upset the children but um but I, th- I think it's okay for kids to know you can be up like sometimes you will be upset and that's okay and like that's yeah. a normal emotion it's odd to think they should be happy on who's happy all the time like i think it's an important emotion it's i mean okay to feel sad and by the way i don't know if i deal with grief well but it's my way but who knows, it might come out in like 10 years and I'll have a massive breakdown, who knows? But I don't think I will. Like I feel quite um, kind of practical and happy to talk about it, but I don't feel I need to all the time. No, it seems like when you feel upset, you'll just be upset. Yeah. And that's the way And I'll be like, well, what's wrong? I'm feeling a bit miserable about this yeah. today. And it's yeah. like, oh, right, okay. Also, I then don't need to go into it. You know, sometimes you don't need to talk about why that today would make you feel... It's like, it's okay, I'm just going to sit with feeling rubbish, you know? I think that's the main thing. It's just recognising it and, like you said, sitting with it. Yeah. Mm. And, like, it's cool. Like, just how you can be angry about stuff or, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um... So, if you had three things about your dad that that make you smile. (laughs) So, if you're having a rubbish day and you wanted to just have a think about him, you know. So, he was a complete (laughs) know-it-all. As in, he literally knew everything about everything or thought he did. So, if you, you know, even being a TV presenter, about right, what you want to do is, you know. And now it's almost like... I'll, like they've changed the road layout on Baker Street boring but he would have like I'd be like god that's so weird that he because he'd have something to say about that you know there's everything I see I'm like he would have an opinion on that or tell you about that um, and so that always makes me smile because it's like he would know the answer even if it wasn't right um, our wedding was like his big one of his big projects he kind of was our wedding planner and loved it and it was amazing and he like planned the whole thing and kind of I know that's like father of the bride yeah but he was so like like on the day he was out there with his clipboard <laughs> do you know what I mean like he loved it he relished it in it yeah like because he really loved us and wanted it to be special you know and like it was raining all morning and would it be outside and he was the one that called the shots at the last minute he was like let's me you know and on the day he was like proud as punch I bet he loved that he loved it you know and like it's probably a few times I've seen him a bit emotional about like something happy you know 
and he was even though I he was not good at expressing his emotions so sometimes it was really hard because I he wouldn't give me much back but if I think in Heinz if I like on reflection I'm like oh but of course he was so proud or so and maybe his way was to tell me what to do but that's because he really cared so he was trying to advise me you know so you kind of thought about it. those were the yeah, signs but, you that know when you're a you... teenager it's a bit like it's annoying why can't you just say what a good idea why do you have to tell me how to go about it you know but now I'm like oh that was just his way of doing it and also like you got to look into like how someone's raised and how they were encouraged or discouraged in their life yeah. you know so um but that's as a grown up you are a bit more kind of forgiving but you know and also he was a very very genuine honest loyal man and I think at the detriment of his own success sometimes but he just you know was a good guy and a real trier and all that you know really positive thing so that's really nice you know those are lovely three things. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and you're beaming as you talk yeah, about it. No, but it's not, you know, and it's nice to think of that stuff sometimes rather than like, because my overriding image really at the moment is Emmanuel. Yeah. Still, because yeah. I guess it's quite new. But I just see that ill, weak man and I'm like, that is so not him. You, you don't know? want that to be your, the lasting memory. No. no. But also, um, like, he would not want that. Like, he basically... I think died like knew it was happening in moments and sent people away you know and not us nurses went in to check everything he was like please just leave me alone they went in an hour later and he was gone so he just didn't you know he was quite a private person like that and so oh yeah I wish we, he would have opened up a little bit but he just wasn't him no meanwhile well, it was just his way wasn't it yeah. yeah and you can't you can't like you can't change people, that's right. Yes, so don't try, it won't get you anywhere. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on to... Um, we have some questions from the uh, children of Winston's Wish. Lovely. And so for each interview, I'm going to be speaking to my guests and asking them these questions. So the first one is, how do you make yourself feel happy when you're feeling sad? Um, good question. Well, I don't think you need to immediately make yourself feel happy, but if you do want to, I think you have to think of just little things that make you happy, i.e. it's a beautiful day today, so I'm sure after this I'll feel a little bit glum, I assume. So I'll take myself out for a walk in the woods or whatever and just remind me, like, it's doing the easy things, it's not spending money or watching YouTube or whatever. It's, I think, honestly, fresh air is your best answer to feeling good again, you know? And looking around you and just being like oh what is good here you know the sun is shining it's a beautiful day the birds are tweeting my son is healthy happy and you know all those things yeah, yeah. so just looking around and being like but what do i have what's good not what's not good exactly um the next one is what piece of music reminds you of your dad so elton john was his favorite so i went to see rocket man and was bawling throughout and like it's the best film that's ever happened and my mum went and she was like meh it was alright you know but for me your song Wales and John always has always been and I can't remember it now but at the time that summer there was a song which I can't remember if I heard it I'd go instantly that I just used to be driving to his house or the hospital or whatever and it would always come on the radio and it would just I just knew 
this song was going to be one of those. But I love that. It's almost like, you know, what, for three minutes, just enjoy feeling the emotion calm, let it out. So I, one of my guests called it their grief, an- grief anthem. Yeah, that's a great that's phrase. It is. And also, like, sometimes it's really nice to just remember, cry, and then move on from it. You know, let it out. Why not? Yeah. Often I feel like it's in the car or on your own. You know, it's annoying if you're out. You're like, oh, God, here it comes. And I'm with, you know. But, yeah, I, I quite enjoy it almost. I think it's good. It's good to get it out, isn't it? Um, and then the next question is, how do you think your grief has shaped you? It probably ties into the question earlier a little bit. But, yeah, mm. do you think it's shaped you in any way? I honestly think it's a little early for me to, t- I mean, it hasn't even been a year. And I, I do wonder if I'm not fully tackling it. But maybe I am. I don't know. We'll see. But I think it's definitely shaped me that uh, in the way that, um, well, for my children, or child, and soon-to-be child, um, yeah, to not fear or worry about, you know, sadness and to explain it to them. I mean, I was fully versed that people died. I mean, I wasn't under any illusions, but I just think it is unfortunately an outcome of life that there will be death at some point and to not fear it really, because it's a lot, mainly it's out of your control and you should just try and enjoy what, you know, however long you're here for, because you can't control when you're not here. No. Is, that even, is it? I don't even know. I think it is good Okay, answer. we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, lastly is, what do you do to remember your dad on important days like his birthday? So we've had one birthday. Um, his birthday is November. So we went out for lunch with like my mum, my brother, my husband, my son. Um, and I, like, the anniversary of his death, me and my mum are just going to go away for the night somewhere in England, just because just she's like, eh, I don't really, I'm not really looking forward to that. So I was like, well, let's just at least be having a nice time, even if we're a bit melancholy. We might as well, like, yeah. have a massage while we do it. Do you know what I mean? Also, like, let out all this, you know, we might as well try and make something light out. Sure, we would have loved you to do that. <laughs> right, lovely. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I always think just talking about them's good. Like, it's... it's you know, it's not a taboo. They were here. They were, you know, a huge part. And also, wouldn't they like to be remembered, you know? But it's always nice to kind of remember the nice, funny stories or the good stuff and not just dwell on the... I mean, I'm sure the bad stuff will come up too, but it's okay. Yes, just remembering them yeah. in whatever form it is. Um, okay, and so lastly, my question is always is, if you had one final sit-down with your dad oh, and God. you could ask him one thing... Or have one final conversation. What do you think you might ask him? <laughs> that is a really big question. Um, I feel like I'm not even going to answer it because I don't even know. I mean, I feel like I have conversations with him all the time in my dreams. Mm. Um, I guess if he's... Well, what I'd really like to know is that he's not in pain anymore. Slash, hope he's still kind of around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not really one last convo, because that would be him here first. Um, I'm going to have to draw a blank. No, I, th- is that do you know, right? I think you actually just said it without um, even realising. You know. Because that is really hard. Imagine if you're like, in five minutes, you're going to sit down with your dad, you can ask him, and what would you ask? It's, it's what would you a, ask? It's a big... 
big one. Um, yeah, I, I, do you know it's a hard. I'd probably just say that I love it and thank you. Right, that's not. But, but that's not asking know, a question. No, Mark. true. Um, <laughs> yeah, and also to be like everyone's okay. Like it's okay. Everyone's okay. I feel like that would be my big fear that you're leaving people. Yeah. And they can't cope, and it's thrown them so much, you know. But like we're all good. Don't worry. Like we'll be fine. I like the fact of are you still around? You know, that that'd be quite an interesting. But they, one. I really think they are. Yeah, Things happen. Me too. Yeah. And do you know what? Even if they aren't, screw you. I want to think he is. <laughs> you know? He is here in this room right now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Being like, what a stupid answer you just gave. <laughs> Why are you asking me this? I'm always here. Do you not know that? Um, okay, well, look, Olivia, thank you so much for uh, meeting with me today. Yeah, it's been lovely to Thank you for having me. To you. Um, Thanks for my session. I that's great. Have I, yeah, I've done a good job. Counselor, yeah. Um, and, and I know a lot of our listeners will get something out of this conversation, as is uh, each interview. So thank you so much. Very well. Thanks for having me.